You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 175. We're looking for results. So what are the results going to be? Well, you'll be able to see a market improvement in Meg's ability to collaborate. You, you see her at a two right now. We're going to do this coaching. We're going to check back in with you in about six weeks. And I'm going to ask you that same question. Where is Meg on collaboration? What have you noticed? Right. And my guess is that, you know, you're going to notice some improvement. And so that setting that up again, sort of upfront is really, really important. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, happy day. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. I want to warmly welcome you to the show as we continue our journey into different strategies, tools, and resources that help you in the way that you show up as a coach, whether it is our shows around ways to build business and create the kind of reach and impact that you want to, as well as the income that you need to, to be able to continue this kind of work, or building competence and confidence in our skills, as well as the many different resources that are available to us to be the best we can be. Every week, I want to connect you with something that makes you think about and strive to be better and strengthen yourself in the field of coaching. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on our businesses, whether it's the financial aspects of our business, how we connect with our audiences, how we leverage different ways to bring our services forward. And today we've got a great show about how to get entry into the corporate world. Many times I hear from coaches, I want to bring my services into organizations and I'm just not sure how to do that. So we have a perfect guest to be able to do that today. And I'm going to tell you about today's show and our guest, John Sigmund, in just a second. However, this time of the year, I also want you to know that our focus is going to shift just a little bit in the next several weeks to get you thinking about your skill development and your continuing education. This is a perfect time of the year to be reviewing when your credential expires. If you are ICF certified, you're certified on a three-year cycle and you're credential will become due in some December. Many of you will be coming due this coming December. And so my focus for the next couple of weeks will be shifted to how are you doing with your continuing education, giving you some resources around ways to get that continuing education, as well as mentor coaching. For those of you who are recredentialing at an ACC level, you're going to need mentor coaching. So just a heads up that we'll shift into some skill and competency focus in the next couple weeks of our show and be giving you some resources for how to access that. Now let's focus on what today's show is all about. Today we are looking at 
how to get the attention of and get in front of decision makers in corporate America. For those of you who would like to be able to bring your services and have impact in organizations, sometimes we're just not aware of how to do that. How do I make the entry? How do I bring what I do in front of the people who make decisions? Well, our guest today is the perfect person to be able to give us some insight into that. John Sigmund is an executive coach. He's a speaker, a teacher, a facilitator, and an organizational transformation expert. He comes from the background of HR leadership. So he used to be in the chair of making the decision of having external coaches reach out to him to talk about what his company needs are and what they could offer in the way of coaching within the organization. So John's going to give us that insider scoop on what organizations are looking for when they interview coaches, what you as an, a coach interested in working or in organizations, what you can do to gain information to be able to be best prepared to have that conversation, to be interested in what the needs of the organization are. And we then transition into talking a little bit about what about the kinds of assessments that organizations are looking for and how can you best set yourself up to be in a place of providing what the organization needs in a way that brings value and meets their needs and also doesn't bankrupt you in trying to get certified in every assessment that's out there because that's just not something that's feasible. So today, John is going to share many different strategies and tips to think about if you would like to get into organizations and offer your coaching. This interview is full of great information. I can't wait to share it with you. Let's go to my interview with John Sigmund. John, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Meg. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So when we were talking about today's interview, Mm. it was apparent that you come with a, just a wealth of experience from corporate America and in the human resource space as well. And then decided to transition into executive coaching, which gives you a unique perspective around how to best partner in building those relationships with organizations and the clients within those organizations. So when we think about creating that partnership. What are some of the things that you get asked that about this? Gosh, John, how do I even break into working in corporate America? What are some of the things that you get asked most often in that space? Yeah. So thank you, Meg. I'm very excited to be here and chat with you about this. And and you're right. I come from a corporate background and I've seen lots of people come through various organizations I've worked for with you know, different coaching pitches and things of that nature. So some of the questions I get on the other side from the, mm-hmm. from my coaching perspective from my colleagues is, 
well, who do I need to be talking to within any given organization? So what's sort of the entry point? And then the kind of the second most frequently asked question I get is, what sort of 360 instrument should I get certified in? Because it seems like that, so it seems like there's a lot of chatter sort of around that. And if you look on social media and all, I think you'll sort of pick up on that as well. So I get those two questions uh, quite frequently. And as someone who's sort of been on the other side of it, I have a sort of a particular point of view about the best way to go about that. Perfect. So let's start with that first question. If somebody were to say to you, John, how do I break into an organ break into listen to me it's like we're going in <laughs> at night with flashlights and yeah we're and gonna break black in a little masks. jimmy yes jimmy yes Lamont. yes we're but if i want to create a partnership or even explore whether this is a company that is interested in external coaches how might i even begin to to understand an organization yeah so there are several different sort of pathways to think about and people kind of go about this in a variety of different ways. What I tell people is this, who do you know? First of all, let's, so let's just start, let's start with the, uh, the least path of least resistance. Who do you know at this organization? If you know somebody, that's great. If you don't know somebody, or even if you do, really the point of entry is HR. And I'm going to be a little bit more specific about what I mean by that, but okay. particularly the learning and development organization. So whatever department of HR is responsible for people development, performance management, those sorts of things. Those are the individuals, that's the department that really holds the purse strings typically for external coaches, right? And so tapping into that and and creating a partnership with those individuals can be really, really fruitful. And part of the way that you can create that partnership is, you know, learning the language, learning a little bit about learning and development, what the organization's needs are, that sort of thing. So, but that really is the primary point of entry. And I've had a lot of success pointing people in that direction. So I had a colleague of mine that was sort of looking to break into a former organization where I used to work. I'm like, you know, look, talk to Donna. She's the head of learning and development. She'll give you the hookup. All right. And so it's not always that easy, right? But that really is the best entry point for most people. And you talked about learning something about the organization that mm-hmm. you're interested in. So what would be some ways that people could get some of that information about what's important to the organization, what their culture is like, those kinds of things that might help us better interact with them? Yeah. So that actually is an excellent question. So I'll tell you sort of the same thing that I tell a lot of my coachees. And that is, you know, if you learn the financial status of an organization, you're going to uncover a lot, right? You're going to find out what are their priorities because you're going to see where they spend their money. And you're also going to, you're also going to see how they make money. So those are two kind of key pieces to understand the business and to be able to talk about the business. But I would focus a lot on the organization's stated values, what their mission and vision is, and if they have any published sort of, some organizations have what they call leadership behaviors or something like that, some standard that they might hold their leaders or everyone against. And so once you have that little piece of information, a lot of times, believe it or not, if you were to find out who the key contact person is and just schedule an informational interview, right? You're not trying to sell anything. You're just trying to understand a little bit more about the organization and what it might take with either that organization or a similarly situated organization to get into 
becoming an external coach for them. So it's just sort of that information gathering phase. But yes, the mission, vision, values, and the financial statement. So if you can get a, a hold of a copy of an annual report, that's gold. Lots and lots of information there. I won't bother uh, boring you with the Securities and Exchange Commission filings. Other information there <laughs> later. But right. initially, the mission, vision, values, behaviors kind of piece can give you really good insights and help you learn the language that the organization use so that you can mimic that when you go in and chat with someone. So helpful. And I really like your idea of schedule an informational meeting, schedule a meeting to learn about the organization and what their needs are rather than I want to meet with you to sell you something. Build the relationship. I don't know how many times we talk about on the show. It's about the relationship. It's about building the relationship. Yeah, it really is. And thank you for pointing that out because that really is so important. Just building that one-to-one kind of relationship and understanding where the person's coming from. And, you know, for me, I'm not a salesperson, right? I really, I don't like how that feels or, right. or where I am with that. And so it's helpful to develop the perspective of either one, gathering more information. You know, I need some information for my business and, you know, you, Meg, can help me with that. Or if you really are in a place of authenticity and you really are a strong believer in your value proposition of what you want to bring to the table, then what you're in is a helping mode. You're not in a selling mode. I have something that's really valuable for your organization. I notice that you have a leadership development program. I offer coaching for people who come out of a leadership development program to help them sustain what they've learned. Is that something that you might be interested in? So if you kind of come from that place, it's not about selling. It's about offering a service. Exactly. But first, completely understanding what the values, what the culture is, what their needs are, how they go about setting things up. Is it truly a match for you? Not everything is. And if we're being authentic and transparent, is this really the best match for us? Such good information. So then when we think about the other question that you get brought to you, Mm -hmm. it's about what kinds of assessments should I be certified in? Now, we had a pre-interview about this, John, and we talked about the fact that putting assessments into your repertoire, getting certified, getting, you know, trained, even determining which ones you want to invest in because they're expensive even as you bring them forward. It's not unusual for the 360 assessments that I'm certified in to cost me three to $500 yeah. to even offer to a client. Right. So, and that's after I've been certified in the thousands that I spent to do that. So it doesn't make sense that all of us are going to be certified in every instrument out there. That's just not feasible. That's not possible. Mm-hmm. So when you think about providing 360s and the different things that go through your mind in that, what do you tell coaches that ask you, gosh, how do I go about that whole 360 process in organizations? Yeah. And that to to me, that's just sort of this whole fascinating uh, piece of coaching. So for me, here's sort of where it starts. If you have an entry point into an organization that's the learning and development uh, component, one of the things that you might be, it might be helpful to ask those folks is, do you have a competency model? Now, Part of that is about understanding the language that's used in that Mm -hmm. department, right? And so competencies are really sort of hot, but I think that, you know, there's sort of a a leading edge on that where people are starting to transition to talk more about capabilities, but that's really sort of a separate conversation. So do you have a competency model? 
right? And you will get either a yes or no mm-hmm. answer to that question typically, right? So they either have one that they have purchased, which seems sort of odd, kind of if you come from outside of HR, it seems weird that you would kind of purchase a competency model, but organizations do that so that they can use that language mm-hmm. in their job announcements, in their interview questionnaires, with their development opportunities for, for staff. So it's this thread that runs through the whole organizations and organizations will basically buy that language. It's content valid. It's been validated against all sorts of uh, measures. So for example, if you have a competency model, I can tell you, well, I'll pick one if it's ABC model, I can tell you with some degree of certainty which competencies are going to be essential for people at the mid-management level in manufacturing in the Midwest of the U.S., for example. So there's that sort okay. of data that's there. So an Let me ask you real quick. Yeah. Let, me, let me just, so in your experience being internal, if somebody were to say to you, does your company have a competency model? Is that something that the company would be willing to share with that person? Typically, yes. Okay. Right. So you want to find out, do they have a competency model, right? And if they do have a competency model, oftentimes there is a 360 instrument that is attached to that, right? And so you may pick up ABC companies, three, a competency model, and they have a 360 that marries up against that. And so that would be one entry. We can kind of get to the specifics of that, that in a moment. But if the, if the answer is no, then that creates a whole other series of questions that you can ask. So I'm sort of laying out kind of a informational interview process for you in some respects. So if the answer is no, do they have a 360 that they like to use? Mm-hmm. Some organizations like to use Hogan, or they like to use Leadership Circle, or they like to use uh, Corn Ferries 360 or Center for Creative Leadership. And to mm-hmm. your point earlier, you can't possibly be certified in all of those things. If you did, that's all you would do. And you would spend a lot of money to use something maybe once or twice over the course right. of your Right. The return career. on investment would not be there for you. Having some good instruments in your pocket is helpful, but there's no way you could have all of them. Right. And so the the hidden little secret there for most organizations, and I can speak for the organizations that I have worked for, Mm -hmm. that is if I tell you that I have a 360 that I like to use, and I'll just make up one, let's say it's the Center for Creative Leadership's 360. Mm -hmm. And I say, we know, are you certified in that? Then you're sort of put on the spot. Right. right. So I think that the, the answer to that is I can work with that or something to that effect. So for me, on the company side of the house, I don't really, quite frankly, I really don't care that much. I just want that 360 to be used. But you don't care if John is the one that administers it. But if John is contracting with me to give coaching services, that he makes sure that my people get that 360. Exactly. And I just had the, that exact experience happen a while back with a a very well-known large not-for-profit and they wanted a specific 360. I wasn't certified in it, but I partnered with somebody who was and they're fine with it, right? They they just want the data. They want mm-hmm. the information. And so that's part of what you have to keep in mind, I think, in dealing with organizations, particularly on the leadership and executive coaching side is they are after results, right? And kind of one of the key ways that they have found that they can get results is to have a 360. You get a baseline for yourself, how other people experience you, et cetera. So if they don't have a 360, but they have one that they like, then you can partner with somebody to provide that. And it's not, and it's not that challenging, right? And so they may come to you and say, no, we don't have a 360. Which, what would you recommend? And that's sort of another alternative, mm-hmm. right? That you can come up. And so then you're sort of free. Well, I'm certified in leadership circle. Here's what I like about that. Or I'm certified in Hogan. Here's what I like about that that whole thing, then you can start to have that sort of conversation. So I would not let, so there, there are two messages 
I think they're critical. I would not personally spend a lot of time and money unless you have a a strong interest in being certified in any set of instruments. Mm -hmm. Pick one that you like that resonates with you, that you're comfortable with and go with it, right? Organizations will have dozens and dozens of different sorts of methodologies that they want to use. And then the other alternative, and sometimes I'll marry this up with a 360, is to do stakeholder interviews, which again, sort of a, a separate conversation. But nonetheless, that kind of rounds out in terms of gathering the data for that individual that you're going to be coaching. So good. So you've given so many different ways to be able to bring value to an organization, meet their needs based upon the way that they're viewing it, and also educate them on ways that you might be able to bring that value in an avenue that maybe they hadn't thought about, whether it's stakeholder interviews, whether it's an instrument that you might be well-versed in that they're not familiar with. So you might have the opportunity to educate them about that. I've certainly done that several times with different sure. assessments that, that I'm well-versed in that maybe the organization isn't. I want to circle back to something else that you said earlier, that if, in fact, an organization has a particular competency model, how might the coach go about getting information about what's included in that model and how they can help speak the language that that model encompasses? Yeah, terrific question. So there are a couple of different ways that organizations have competency models. They either purchase them or oftentimes they'll develop them themselves, which is a whole other conversation. But what I would do is just ask, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a competency model, which one is it? You know, are you willing to share what that is and what they would be typically willing? So From the other side of the chair, what I would be willing to share with you is our full model. So we have the last organization I worked for, we had core competencies. So these are things that we consider table stakes. Every single individual within the organization that we hired, put development plans in place for, et cetera, all had to sort of meet these various competencies. And, you know, and competencies can be described, right? So I can describe what great looks like. I can describe what adequate looks like, and I can describe what not so great looks like. So asking those kinds of questions about, can you share that with me? The language, you know, which competencies are important? So do you have core competencies and do you have competencies carved out for various levels within your organization or are they all inclusive? So that kind of thing, most organizations would be really willing to share that information with you. So you have that language and it gives you something to kind of mark against if you're going to be doing stakeholder interviews and kind of, again, sort of a great coaching tool to have at hand, because again, you're speaking the language of your coachee. So, so good. So important too. The other thing that I've had experience with is that if in fact they do have their own 360, many times I'm brought in to do coaching and the person's already been given the company Mm -hmm. 360. Then I've had HR people sit down and show me their 360 instrument so that I'm familiar with it as I work with my client. And many times, I mean, as long as you're familiar with 360 instruments, they're not that, that different from one another, that if the client shares their report with you, it wouldn't be impossible to walk through that with them to ask, to get curious about what about this stands out for you, client? Where did you see the issues that you want to zero in on? So to John's point, just because you're not necessarily certified in a particular instrument, if it's already been administered, and sometimes that person's already been debriefed by somebody, Mm -hmm. but that debrief doesn't exclude you from as the coach to be able to use that instrument in the coaching to say, how are we going to 
use the feedback that you've received to be helpful in your growth and development as a leader or as an employee or whatever that situation is. Thoughts, John? Yeah, sure. Exactly. And I've been in that. Thank you for bringing that up because I've been in that situation myself a couple of times, actually, where an organization uses a a fairly well-known instrument. I'm not certified in it, but they run the instruments. They've done the reports. They have debriefed the coachee. And then so they're kind of turning the coachee and the reports all over to me. And that's fine. Listen, that gives me lots and lots of information and data to use to coach this individual. And when that happens with me, and even if it doesn't happen with me, a lot of times in the initial conversation I have with my coaches, I let them know, you know, what's really, really important as a leader is not necessarily what you think about yourself as a leader, but how other people experience you. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what this information gives us. How are other people experiencing you? And is that experience that they are having of you important to pay attention to? Is it unimportant to pay attention to based on the context and based on the organization? So, for example, if you work in a bank mm-hmm. and you get sort of labeled as someone who is risk averse and is conservative, well, that may very well fit within the culture of that bank. Mm-hmm. That may be different if you work for a tech company in, in Silicon Valley, right? So, right? so you may need to kind of dial up your innovation kind of thing. So just having that data and that information can provide just a rich, and, and I do mean rich treasure trove of coaching opportunities. Oh, I really appreciate that insight. And your perspective, both from the place of being now an external coach that would approach organizations, as well as being on the other side as coaches were approaching you. What else do we want people to be thinking about that is important to sort of stage, not stage in a, in a negative way, but to, to be aware of when you're approaching somebody who's in an organization? What were some of the things that were important to you to hear from that internal perspective? Yeah, thank you for that. So yeah, so for me, so I was a former uh, chief human resources officer. And so, you know, ultimately the budget sort of fell with me for external coaching. I want to make sure that the managers and other leaders within our organizations that are getting coached, that that we are appropriately engaged and involved in that process. So it's a little different from me doing life coaching with you, right? You and I are working through your relationship issues or whatever that is, and you want results, right? But on the other side, from the corporate side, I'm, you know, I'm paying a lot of money for this engagement, right? Mm -hmm. A lot typically. And so I like to be bought into the loop. I want to have sort of my opinion heard and listened to. And so in some ways, the coach is actually doing a little bit of team coaching, perhaps with the coachee and their supervisor. So to me, it's critically important that the supervisor be bought into the process early. So for example, if if you're going to do a 360, the organization has a 360 they love, and now you're going to have to get a list of people who are going to receive this 360, bring in the supervisor. I can just tell you from hard learned experience on that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, the supervisor typically has a very different viewpoint about who the stakeholders are versus the coachee. And so I like to get the coachee's stakeholder list, for example, and then the state of the coachee and I will meet with the supervisor and we'll have a robust discussion about these stakeholders. You know, what's important, who, who are we missing? Who do we, you know, so all of that is really, really important to be aligned, right? And then once the data comes back, the information comes back, either the stakeholder interview, 
put together in a report or the data from the 360. Again, develop a little bit of a draft action plan with your coachee, vet it with the supervisor. Mm -hmm. right? You want to make sure at all times that you are aligned with that. Because the last thing you want is you get three or four months into this and you have a midpoint check-in with the supervisor and say, listen, Meg's doing a great job on collaboration. We've been spending a lot of time focusing on that. And the supervisor says, why are you focusing on that? <laughs> exactly. Or that's, that's not that's my not experience that makes being a great collaborator. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so to answer your question, maintaining that close contact, mm -hmm. and it's a bit of a dance, right? Because you've got your coachee that you're trying to hold the space right. for here. Right. And at the same time, someone else is paying the bill. Right. right. And they want to have a say. And so kind of keeping that those wheels moving and keeping that dance going is really important. So key. And that really begins at the coaching agreement so that from the get-go, mm -hmm. the organization understands what you're going to be sharing with them. The client understands what you're going to be sharing and that you set up that that communication is, I love, John, how you set up every one of those meetings you talked about included the client in the meeting and the stakeholder within the organization that's important, whether it's somebody in HR, whether it's their manager, but that that communication is kept open so that you're not establishing a plan with your client that is not in alignment with what the organization wants. You're really in partnership with both the organization and your client. Yeah, exactly. And it is a little bit of a nuance to think about it that way, right? Mm -hmm. if, particularly if you're used to just sort of one-on-one -on -one coaching or group coaching, or just kind of you've got some hours out there that you've given to some organization and they're kind of cherry picking an hour here or an hour there for something. So yeah, it's a little bit of a different way to look at it. But the, at the end of the day, it's very robust, right? Mm -hmm. It provides a very unique lever for the organization to sort of transform themselves and to try to push you know, their leaders forward. And again, there are lots and lots of opportunities out there. I look for opportunities with organizations to have leadership development programs, et cetera, to try to tack on to the end of that. But, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's a, a bit of a nuanced dance you have to do, but it's really very powerful. It is. The other thing, I guess, just because this is one of my soapboxes, the thing that I, I liked you, that you said was that, yes, when you get the data, when you get the results, you work with your client to create the plan that they're going to share. The data belongs to the client, even if you're being sponsored by the organization. That's my sense about that, unless it's been set up differently from the get-go with the organization and the client. The actual data belongs to the client. The developmental plan that they're going to be sharing with their manager or with the leadership in the organization, that comes from that data. But, you know, I'm one of the, when, when an organization says to me, but I'm buying the, the 360, so that data is mine. I'm a bit, I'll, I'll go to the mat with them about the fact that the data belongs to the client, but we are certainly going to bring forward the learning from that feedback to put into a developmental plan and include the manager in that. So that's just my two cents worth. I don't know. Have you had organizations say, no, the data belongs to us? So I have had that, that discussion. And so, you know, how a lot of these things, you end up sort of tweaking how you do things based on right. some of these little lessons that you've learned, right? right. So, yeah, so I, I sort of learned that lesson along the line and pushed that uh, to the chemistry discussion that I have with the organization and the coachee. So I, the language I use is the client's the person paying the bill, the coachee is the person that I'm coaching, right? And so that's why, to your point earlier, it's so important 
to have that conversation up front. And up listen, front. I, I don't make any bones about it. Sometimes I'll have a bit of a checklist. I'll say, look, you know, you know, this may need to be a little bit more fluid, but I've got, I want to make sure we get everything that we need to cover. So I've got a checklist. I'm going to go down this checklist to make sure that we've got everything that we are agreeing on everything and that, you know, you know who I'm going to be speaking with and confidentiality and all of that. So I draw a very hard line on confidentiality. So what I tell the coachee and the client is that I will never disclose specifics of a session with anyone ever under any circumstances, barring a court order and a subpoena. And even then, mm-hmm. I might not do it just to be arbitrary. So what goes on during our sessions together is completely between us. Now, themes, movement, right. progress, all of that is all completely reportable and the organization expects that. But I have had instances where I've had supervisors kind of ping me later and say, you know, did Meg talk to you about X, Y, and Z? And what you get from me is crickets. Right. I just say, let me remind you about our confidentiality, right? So, right. you know, and if, if you need me to broker a conversation between the two of you, happy to do that, but right. not from me. I love that. Thank you so much. And great distinctions about our clients, our coaches. I think it comes back to we absolutely have to be clear out of the gate or else we're held. We're holding some things that maybe we assumed that the company thought something and then we've told our client that and or we've told the coachee that and the company thought something else. So it's just so I love your idea of the, the checklist. Let's just be sure out of the gate that we're seeing things clear so that there's not issues down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that, that comes up from sort of the organization side of the table and something that I've experienced that works really well is sort of as a coach, helping the organization understand the value of coaching. Now, theoretically, they understand that because they are bringing someone in, et cetera. But uh, truthfully, ex- John, every company thinks about coaching differently. I mean, they, you they know, really, yeah, what coaching really is. Do. So yeah, go ahead. I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. No, no, no. I, I, absolutely. And so as someone who's been on the company side before, one of I noticed a technique that someone used with me one time that I wanted to sort of pass along because I felt like it was it was important. So one of my questions was, you know, how am I going to know, you know, so what's, you know, how am I going to know that we're moving the needle forward, right? It all seems sort of fluffy and mm-hmm. kind of out there. And then the coach that w- that I was interviewing basically said, well, where do you, you know, one of, and one of the challenges, I'll make up a scenario, this kind of collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. So and they say, well, where do you see Meg in terms of her ability to collaborate right now on a scale of one to 10? I'd say, well, a two. Okay. And then, you know, so that's the baseline, right? Mm-hmm. And so every time, right? That coach met with me later. They would ask me sort of that, where's Meg on collaboration now on a scale of one to 10, I say three or four. So you can build in sort of ways to kind of monitor progress along the way. And even in the absence of having something overly scientific or overly engineered, right? Another way to do that is clearly, you know, I encourage people if you're going to do a 360, when the results come back in, right? I'm going to encourage you to send a nice email out to everyone Mm -hmm. that participated, thanking them for the feedback, letting them know this is what I've heard. These are the two or three things I'm going to be focusing some attention on. And I'm maybe coming back to some of you at a future date to give me some uh, tips and some uh, pointers on whether I'm doing well or not. So that whole conversation, right, setting the stage to build in the accountability it's going to be necessary for that person to be successful. So good. And I love the perspective of when you were on the other side of the desk, you really liked that being able to 
understand how how progress was going to be measured. Right. And yeah, I mean, listen, because, you know, again, so out of my budget is coming, you know, a lot of money. And as an organization, you know, we're looking for results, right? So what are the results going to be? Well, you'll be able to see a market improvement in Meg's ability to collaborate. You you see her at a two right now. We're going to do this coaching. We're going to check back in with you in about six weeks. And I'm going to ask you that same question. Where is Meg on collaboration? What have you noticed? Right. And my guess is that, you know, you're going to notice some improvement. And so that setting that up again, sort of upfront is really, really important. Oh, such a great way to kind of close out our time together. That gold nugget at the end and and all the great information you gave us throughout. John, thank you for taking your time to share your experience with us and be able to apply some of this learning to our growth as coaches. Absolutely. And any listeners, if you would like, you know, the sample checklist or what have you, you know, I have some of those things available, just kind of ping me and let me know and I'll make it happen. Excellent. John's contact information will be in the show notes for this episode. So go to starcoatshow.com to get those show notes. So there you have another generous soul willing to share his expertise with us about the ins and outs of getting into a corporation to share your coaching value. I want to once again thank John Sigmund for taking time to be with us today. If you'd like to reach John, his contact information is in the show notes at starcoachshow.com, episode 175. So as I mentioned earlier in the intro, we're going to be shifting focus in the next couple weeks to skills and different experts that will help us strengthen our skill set and connect you with some great ways to get continuing education to be sure that you stay up to date with your credential. So stay tuned for that. If you're enjoying the show, please think about leaving a rate and review at Apple Podcasts so that more coaches will find the show. I am always very grateful if you share the link of the show with other coaches so that they can also gain from the expertise that our guests share. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a great one.